everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. We have a great episode for you. With us, as always, is Hal Humphreys, the host. Hal, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you today? I'm doing fabulous. We have an awesome guest today. We have Dave Button, president of the Appraisal Foundation, joining us. Thank you, Jim and Hal, for having me. I was on here previously, and I really enjoyed it. Look forward to it today. Well, Dave, thank you for taking the time to be here. I know you're a busy man. Um, you know, for for the folks in the in the room, like the one or two people in the country that don't know who you are, tell us tell us a little bit about your background. How how did you get into the valuation space, and 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 what exactly <laughs> do you do? Okay. Uh, I've been at the foundation as the CEO for 33 years. I was hired in May of 1990. Uh, before that, I worked on Capitol Hill for 12 years. I was a legislative assistant in the U.S. Senate, and I was a chief of staff in the House of Representatives. I was hired because at that time, the foundation had just gotten its congressional authority, and they wanted someone who kind of knew the ropes uh, in, uh, on Capitol Hill. As far as what I do, I'm the, the, the CEO. I am the business manager of the foundation, supervise the staff. Uh, we have a staff of 14. Annual budget's about $4.2 million. Okay. Um, and the Appraisal Foundation is the congressionally authorized. Um, how, how do you describe that? Congressionally authorized source of appraisal standards and appraiser qualifications but it is just for real estate. We, we set the standards for all appraisal disciplines, but Congress only recognized real estate because of the savings and loan crisis in the mid-1980s. Okay, so when, it come, when, you, when you look at that USPAP document, those, those last few that deal with business valuation and stuff like that, that does not fall under the purview of the Appraisal Foundation. It's under the purview of the Appraisal Foundation. It's just not authorized by Congress. I got you. So we had written the whole book ahead of time before Congress authorized us. And they said, we'll just authorize, in this case, the real property standards of USPAP. But we still update the ad valorem, personal property, and business valuation standards. Same thing goes for qualifications. Our real property qualifications are authorized by Congress. We also set qualifications for personal property. They're not authorized by Congress. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, honestly, coming from the valuation um, world, focusing on real estate valuation myself and most appraisers, all we deal with with USPAP is that first section, standards one and two, by and large. Um, when when we go to the update class, our instructors always tell us, you've got this big, thick document, focus on the first, you know, two sections for practicing appraisers. Obviously, if you're doing review work, you can deal with three and four. Um and there's something new, I, I, this is a little bit off script, but there's something new with USPAP coming this mm-hmm. next round. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that you're, you've done away with the idea of updating it on a regular basis. It is what it is, um, and it's going to kind of stay the same. And if it needs to change, it can. Um, but you're instead of having this big, thick book that has standards, FAQs, advisory opinions, how is that going to be presented now? Mm-hmm. You'll have a book of just the standards. It's about 65 pages, all 10 USPAP standards in it. And because it's matured over time, years ago, USPAP was changed quarterly every time the standards board met. Then it was annually. Then we went to every two years. And now we're going to let the marketplace decide. You know, will technology or marketplace changes or regulatory changes necessitate a change to the standards? But rather than doing it every 24 months, just because it's 24 months, we're going to let those standards stay. But the guidance we're going to try to update 
every 24 months in that separate resource manual. Uh, issues, that a big thing today is the artificial intelligence. And if I use that in my appraisal report, do I need to put that in my certification or not? Well, that's, that's, that's a perfect example of guidance, timely guidance. Right, right. Okay. Well, very good. Uh, Dave, again, thank you for being here. Let me uh, take just a real yeah. quick second and give a shout out to one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. The Dictionary of Real Estate Appraisal, 7th edition, is a landmark text that reflects the depth and breadth of appraisal knowledge. Each entry, definition, and reference has been painstakingly researched and designed to reflect an expert understanding of issues that currently impact the profession. The new dictionary is an essential authoritative resource for all appraisers. The dictionary is divided into two sections, an alphabetical listing of terms directly related to real estate appraisal and an addendum with topical glossaries and compilations of terms used by related real estate professionals. Find it at appraisalinstitute.org dictionary seven. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Hal Humphreys. I've got Dave Bunton from the Appraisal Foundation with me today. You're listening to the Appraisal Buzzcast. Dave, you know, there's a lot of talk out there in the appraisal world about Perea. What is Perea? Just give us kind of the, the overall view of what Perea is, because there's a lot of confusion out there. And I, when it first came out, I, I said it sounds like something that you don't want to test positive for. Um, <laughs> it's pra practical applications of real estate appraisal. If you look what's going on in the world today, surgeons don't operate on cadavers. They do digital operations. Uh, pilots use flight simulators. This is a little bit like that. This is kind of a flight simulator for appraisers. What happened, and many of your listeners know this, is that when banks started outsourcing their valuation work, that was the incubator for a lot of appraisers. And suddenly we lost that. And that hole could not be filled by the number of people that wanted to be a supervising appraiser. So we looked at the various things that were going on in other professions and came up with this simulated training. It's interesting. You could take uh, a house, appraise it, now put railroad tracks behind it, appraise it. How does that impact the value? Take the railroad tracks out, put a lake in there, add a garage, add a wind, you know, whatever. So you have a limitless set of valuation challenges. And we think that with people that go through this will be better prepared than some people who use supervising appraisers. Depending on who your supervising appraiser is, maybe they just do subdivisions. So your experience is going to be very very narrowly defined. So uh, we think it's, it's gonna be great. Uh, I'll be very curious now. There is one on the street. The Appraisal Institutes just came out this month and, the, and they're gonna be tracked to see how they do on the state exam. To take the practical applications, you have to have all your education completed. Then this would be the experience component. You complete that, then you could sit for the state exam. Interesting. So Perea is basically, <clears throat> the way I understand it is, there, there's a huge barrier to entry, and there are a lot of barriers to entry into this business. Um, I came about it um, in a unique way. My father was an appraiser. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people in the business, their father or their mother was a real estate appraiser, and that's how they got into the business. Um, that, that model makes it really difficult for people outside the industry to come in. Um, and there, there have always been concerns, uh, 
objections to hiring trainees. I'm hiring my competition. I'm bringing in someone and teaching them what I do uh, on the, the mentor side. But on the trainee side, there's always been the concern of how do I know that my mentor is doing it right? Mm -hmm. um, how do I know that I'm getting a broad um, education as a trainee? If my, if my, in your example, if my mentor only does subdivisions, how am I going to, you know, appraise a, a farm out in the middle of nowhere? Um, I'll have no experience in that. Yeah. The apprenticeship model could perpetuate bad practice, right? I mean, the, the people would just learn how that person did it, but it may not be the correct way. Right. Uh, that that is a a, a very very uh, valid concern. We're seeing a couple of interesting things. Hal, number one, over the past five years, the first time test takers for the national exam, we've it's gone from fifteen hundred a year to twenty five hundred. That's a thousand person increase in five years. Wow! And they're twenty six to thirty four years old. If you look 10 years ago, a lot of them were the 40 to 45 year old second career were involved in retail or sales and then wanted to try this. So we're getting younger people and more people. And that's sort of a myth buster. People, oh, nobody wants to be an appraiser anymore. Well, we went from 1500 to 2500 in five years. So the question though is, is that the replacement rate? You know, how many people are retiring? If 2000 are retiring, we're good. If 5000 are retiring, it's not so good. <laughs> well, and, and, and there's, I, I think there's probably going to be a little bit of a shakeup in the industry once Fannie Mae institutes with a hard stop, the new UAD, a lot of older appraisers mm -hmm. are going to say, I'm not going to learn a new thing. I'm comfortable with the 1004. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, that here's the thing I was absolutely thrilled and shocked to see so many young people that are going through the ADI program and that are new to this business and, and trying to get in. And Perea is giving them a sense of, I can actually do this. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of interest among corporations, among a lot of other organizations to provide scholarships because the, the pre on the street is 3,900 to 4,500, depending on whether or not you're an AI member, that's a fair amount of money. But a lot of you know major lenders and others are really interested in in providing scholarships. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, but it's a great right. it's a it's a great it's a great alternative. It, it and there will be others. We've had nine proposals sent to us. Three have been publicly announced. If they don't publicly announce it, we don't share it with you. We, yeah, we've had three submit. The appraisal institute is currently out there on the street for licensed, and they hope to have the the certified residential uh, by the end of the year. Uh, McKissick should be out by the middle of next year. Uh, the nine, we call them proof of concepts, were submitted. We asked them to send us essentially their blueprint so they don't get too far down the road. This is a multi-million dollar endeavor to pr produce all this simulated training. So we want to get involved with them you know, pretty early in the process. All right, good, 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 good. Um, let's do this. Let's take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. LIA Administrators and Insurance Services, serving valuation professionals since 1978. We provide E&O insurance with a commitment to superior customer service, outstanding liability education, and unmatched claim defense, benefiting over 10,000 real estate professionals nationwide. Explore our exclusive appraiser liability education by Peter Christensen and cost-effective seminars designed to foster your growth. Our underwriters, with an average of 26 years of experience each, are dedicated to supporting appraisers. 
visit liability.com to discover how LIA can safeguard your business. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Hal Humphreys. You're listening to the Appraisal Buzzcast. I've got Dave Button from the Appraisal Foundation with me today. Dave, we're talking about Perea. Let me ask you this. this is, there's a lot of confusion about Perea out there. Do mm-hmm. appraisers going through the Perea pro- process still need a sponsor or a mentor? No. When you sign up with a provider, that provider has to give you a mentor. And that mentor serves two functions. The mentor is your help desk. You just don't get something. You're kind of at an impasse there. And number two, there are milestones in Perea. And that mentor will sit down with you virtually and essentially give you some quiz questions before you go to the next section. So he's the help desk and then he's the periodic sort of tutor, if you will, a little bit. And it seems to me that that model, um, I was talking with a, with a friend of mine over the weekend who um, did a year um, at university in Cambridge over in England. And the model there is you're assigned a topic, uh, you've got an area of study, and then they assign you a tutor who works with you through the process. And um, you go through and you kind of, it's a self-study, a self-driven um, model of study. Um, and I think that model is proven to work. And it's go at your own pace, you know, because people say, well, how long does Priya take? Well, how long does a seven hour online course take? I know people that can do it in 90 minutes and I know people that do it in 10 hours. So, you know, that's, and that Perea is going to be the same way. Some people are very methodical and go through all of it. And other people are like, oh, this is the contest. How fast can I go through this? Which is why we have the milestones. So every now and then you got to pull over to the side of the road and, and, you know, have check those boxes before you can go forward. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see how the states, um, you know, I know there's some states that are still kind of trying to figure out what exactly practical, practical applications and real estate appraisal means. Um, and I think we're, we're getting some clarity on that as we move forward. I'm really curious to see that first round of, Perea graduates come out and see how they perform. Absolutely. There are 42 to 44 states now that that essentially have bought into the Perea model. There's a couple that might have to do some regulatory tweaks, but that's there. Those that haven't, uh, the primary uh, reason that I hear is they want to kick the tires. So if I'm the appraisal institute or any other Perea provider, I would give a password access to those state regulators, let them walk through, see what the experience is. We have a lot of state regulators that have never taken an online course. Yeah. So simulated training is a bit of, you know, it's a little hard for them to get their hands around it. So uh, that that's that's why that would be. But I, I, th- I think it'll work pretty well. We had some states initially, Pennsylvania, California, and Kansas that didn't allow 100% experience requirement. Well, then you're kind of just kicking the can down the road because if you can only get 50% of your requirement, which is what Kansas was, now you still need to find a supervising appraiser. Now you may be more marketable because you've got Perea under your belt, but I'm pleased to tell you that Kansas in the last 10 days voted to change it to 100% and Pennsylvania and California also have done that. So there's no state offering partial credit. And I think think when we're in September of next year, all the states will approve this, particularly if the results come out the way I think as far as test performance. 
Well, I think you're probably right about that. I think as as the the testing. I mean, look, here's the thing: when when I got licensed back in 1992, certified general, um, the testing process was me studying all the material by myself and my mentor telling me, "Here's how this is done." And sometimes those didn't line up. Um, I think the Perea process is probably mm-hmm. going to fine tune that uh, for the folks going through it. Um, Dave, anything else you would like to share about Perea before we uh, move on to our anonymous appraiser question that Jim has for us? Um, not, not necessarily. Uh, well, let me just point this out. If you're a profession, when you engage in appraiser, you have certain expectations. And if the training and experience are uniform, those expectations should be consistent. So I think that's what's really Perea is going to help. Yeah, I like it. And here's the thing, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the, at the top of the podcast, you know, surgeons are practicing on, on digital means. Um, doctors are doing digital training. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the best examples is we entrust, you know, regularly 200 plus or minus people to a pilot flying a very large aircraft um, and, and that pilot is going to flight safety and going through simulator training to get their mm-hmm. type rating for that aircraft. So mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, um, this has legs and, and I'm excited that, that the foundation has, has pushed this um, and, and working with the providers to uh, give people a chance to get into this business that want to get into this business and up until now have not had a very clear route to get into the business. Mm-hmm. And you can still use a supervising appraiser. This is just another alternative. And there are people that believe that I want to be a boots on the ground appraiser, you know, like my father was or whatever. And I get that, you know? Yeah. So, but I think, I think particularly three to five years out, we'll <clears throat> look back and say this was a game changer. Yeah, no doubt. Jim Morrison, um, do you have, by chance, an anonymous appraiser question for us? We do. This week's anonymous appraiser question is kind of a combination of three or four emails that I got um, having to do with uh, trainees. And we actually had one example where somebody was hired on, had a supervisor, and the supervisor had to let them go because they were so slow. So this is, with work so slow right now, I had trouble finding someone in my area that's willing to take on a trainee. What tips do you offer for a trainee to find the right mentor? Okay. A few, a few suggestions. One is some states keep a list of credential holders who are willing to be a supervising appraiser. There are a couple states, uh, Mississippi and soon South Dakota, that offer what are called practicums, which is sort of a classroom style experience requirement, and you wouldn't need a supervising appraiser. The other one is, the other two would be get involved with a professional society. Networking is a great way to find a supervisor. Uh, and also attend appraiser conferences. I know the conferences that you guys put together, you 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 carve out an area for that very function, you know, match up the trainee with a potential supervisor. So I, it's it's not a surprising, it's it's networking and circulating and and let people see who you are and and your your chances are going to be a lot better than if you stay in your basement. Yeah, and I think um, just to add to that, you know, at, at the appraisal summit hosted by the NAA and um, us over here at Appraiser Learning uh, last earlier this month, um, there were a number of trainees in the audience, um, and we encouraged them to go talk to the appraisers in the audience, but we also strongly encouraged the appraisers to reach out to the trainees. And I, I promise you, during that two-day, three-day conference, 
Um, there were two trainees that hooked up with a mentor that was ready to hire them the next week. Um, wow. and, and that's just two uh -huh. examples in one conference, but like I, I literally watched the engagement happen and watched, um, a trainee talking to a supervisor who said, Hey, we're in the same area. Come see me next week. Let's see if we can work something out. You got a little variation of match.com working here. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, you right? know, I mean, it's perfect. I mean, you, and it works out for both of them. It works out for both parties. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned joining professional organizations. So, you know, in the world of real estate appraisal, obviously the appraisal Institute is, is, um, is a fantastic organization. Uh, they, they do, um, you know, really good education for their members. The National Association of Appraisers is um, is a nationwide organization that provides absolute strong support for boots on the ground appraisers, overwhelmingly residential appraisers. Um, mm -hmm. If you're trying to get into this business and you want to do residential work, I would recommend looking at both the Institute and the National Association of Appraisers. Um, but the NAA conferences and Val Expo, which is, which is run by Appraisal Buzz and, and Appraisal Learning, both of those conferences are a really good place, or all three of those conferences are a really good place for trainees to meet appraisers. Um, and even if you're going through Perea, there is absolutely mm -hmm. nothing that stops you from working with an appraiser in the process. Absolutely. Yeah. You know how I had an opportunity I, to, to attend and also speak at your ACTS conference in the spring. And it was a great program. In fact, when I got back to Washington, D.C., I was telling everybody, I mean, you hit all the right notes and every presentation, there was a takeaway. It wasn't just someone up there and you think it's a good time to, you know, go get a soda or something. It was all there was a lot of meat, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, the, and the good thing about the Axe Conference is it's a small conference. It travels around the country, so it's not just in Las Vegas. Um, this upcoming year, it'll be in Colorado Springs. Um, we move it around each year. So for appraisers that don't like to travel a long distance or take a full week off to go do a thing, the Axe Conference, when it's in your area, it's easy to get to. Um, it's a smaller, more intimate group. And, and as Dave mm -hmm. said, the, the, the program, I'm really proud of the program um, at the Axe Conference. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a really good chance to meet um, appraisers that are out there doing the thing. Um, and for, for those of you out there looking to find a mentor, please be careful posting things on Facebook. Hmm. I would recommend you go to a conference and not look for your not look for your mentor on Facebook because Facebook can yeah. be a, a brutal place sometimes. Yeah, social media in general. I, yeah, the, the interpersonal. You know, there's nothing wrong. That's the way to go. Yeah. So. Jim Morrison, do we have anything else we need to cover today? Well, one thing that had just recently happened, Dave has announced his retirement, so we didn't get a chance to touch on that. So let's uh, give him the floor for a little bit. Yeah, what is that about, Dave? <laughs> it's all about moderation. And I've been doing this for uh, 33 years. So my contract expires in December of uh, 24. And I'll be 72. And uh, I think it's a good time to, uh, to move on. I don't think I'll totally get out of the valuation arena. But uh, I think someone younger than I is probably in the best position. I think I probably got a lot of incentive from looking at our elected officials around the country today and said, let me get out while I still have my wits about me. So, yeah, no doubt. 
Well, Dave Button, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Jim Morrison, anything else we need to cover today? That's it. Okay. Well, in that case, for Jim Morrison and Dave Button, I'm Hal Humphreys, and that is your appraisal buzzcast for this week.